0: Hi, guys, and welcome to the second episode of Kidney Live Without It. Today, we are speaking to Rachel, who's 23 from London and wants to share her story about her kidney transplant and her recovery. Hi, guys, welcome back to the second episode of Kidney Live Without It. Today, we have the wonderful Rachel who's going to share her story with us. So, hi, Rachel. Hi, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, I uh, can't believe it's almost the
1: end of another week. Oh, I know, but I'm so excited that it's August. I just feel like with a fr- like the first Monday of a new month just feels like so productive, so motivated me so much. So hopefully it can be a good week ahead.
0: Yeah, I know. So positive. I need that right now. <laughs> 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 I've Got a yeah. Sunday, blues for sure. <laughs> no, exactly.
1: Just got to look forward.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So could you share a little bit about yourself, your age, where you're from, hobbies, stuff like that? Yeah, of course. So I, uh,
1: Rachel, I'm 23 years old and I'm just outside of London. So I get cared for under uh, Great uh, great (laughs) Ormish (laughs) Rewinds. I used to get cared for under Great Ormish hospital. I now get cared under guys. Um, But yeah, my hobbies consist of reading a lot. I actually just started a BookTube channel, which is a YouTube community all about books um yeah i have i spin a lot and since the pandemic i haven't gone to a spin class but on wednesday i'll be going back to my first one so i'm very very excited now that high-risk people can venture out into the great wide open
0: <laughs> i know how exciting we <laughs> so thought they would be excited about going little spit shopping <laughs> oh i know
1: literally all the little things oh i'm so excited to start actually living my life a bit more now i know um, but yeah other than that read spin youtube chilling with my family that sort of stuff tends to be what
0: I fill my days with. Yeah I mean that sounds that sounds pretty pretty good if you ask me. <laughs> yeah I think so pretty yeah. standard. So there is one thing that I I'm desperate to know, and I'm pretty sure anyone who follows you on Instagram is exactly the same.
1: Yeah. What
0: is your connection with Disney? Because it looks amazing, and (laughs) every time I see your post, I'm so jealous.
1: Yeah, of course. So basically, it started at a very young age. I think my parents thought that one trip to Walt Disney World would do us as a family back in 2000 when I was three, (laughs) but no, we've gone annually pretty much ever since, and one trip in particular, I remember someone, I was like so in Disney they're called cast members the people that work out there and I saw a cast member's name badge because all the name badges have your name and then where you're from and one of them said London UK and I was like how is someone working in Orlando in Disney like this is my dream so last summer um I managed to actually I don't know dreams come true that sort of stuff they trust and pixie dust and all that sort of stuff um I managed to get a work placement out in Walt Disney World I worked out there for the summer so on my Instagram right now is a kind of like time hop time capsule sort of thing of all the pictures that I took last year that I didn't actually manage to upload because I was too busy living in the moment enjoying myself yeah, three living, months. yeah. living your best life for sure <laughs> literally so so it was like I just wish I could go back
0: Yeah, it looks amazing. I I keep looking at it and I'm just like, oh, I wish I could be there. Yeah. (laughs) Even just to see like half of it is amazing. Oh, I know. It's an incredible place to be for sure. Yeah, to all Instagram envy over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally.
1: Although my Instagram will go suddenly downhill at the end of the month when I actually return home as of last year. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I went out in June and I came back early September. So
0: (laughs) not too long left of the Instagram posts. Oh, spread them out. Spread them out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, would you be able to give us a little bit of background into um, where your kidneys problem started and and things yeah, like of that? Of course. It might sound
1: a bit long winded because I've had quite a roller coaster of a journey. But mm. basically, it started when I was about three years old. We were living at our current house in Risley, which is also just outside of London and I kept getting urine infections and we went to my local GP and they're like yeah take antibiotics like you'll be fixed and then like a month or two later I'll get another urine infection they would give me more antibiotics and then I'll get another urine infection I'll get more antibiotics they never really like thought oh this is an issue for like a four-year-old um to have so many urine infections and then when we moved to where I currently live which is Amersham um also just outside London we stay in the same sort of area um I had another urine infection this was when I was about I want to say about seven eight years old and I went to my local GP with my parents and they were like looking at all my records and stuff and they were like this isn't normal for someone your age to be getting as many urine infections um we're gonna like pass you on to like a bladder specialist at the time yeah
0: um
1: to see what the issue is like don't worry it shouldn't be anything like big sort of thing um went to my first like official doctor's appointment and they thought it was something to do with the bladder um so I kept then I was like we'll keep an eye on you so I had like appointments every like six months or whatever um for a couple of years and then when I had an ultrasound at one of the appointments they realized that it was kidney related and not bladder related Um, And then I got transferred over to Great Ormond Hospital um, and was cared under for them until I turned an adult at 18. Um, And that's kind of where they started really investigating all my issues. And they found out that I had chronic kidney disease and the issue was all my urine infections. Every single time I had a urine infection, my urine went back up the kidney tubes and was causing reflux, basically. And Mm -hmm. that then damaged one kidney, that kidney. Then kind of failed, and it, my body was kind of just coping on my other kidney. Yeah. Um, obviously putting more pressure on that, and then that one obviously eventually failed as well. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of a quick summary of how I kind of came to have a kidney transplant at the age of eighteen.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that's so much to be going on, changing hospitals and everything like that. the yeah, midst was... of finding out what was go- what was going on and what was what was wrong, and that how did how do you think that affected you? um mentally I don't I feel like because when I felt
1: like all this was quite like all this like big information all these big words all these like weird tablets I was like having to start to take (laughs) to like kind of control it I was all like I was so young or like I feel like I have said I was young I probably wasn't that young but in retrospect to where I am now and to my understanding of what condition I have and what it took to get me better I obviously have a now better understanding but back then I literally didn't know kind of what was wrong with me yeah Um, so I just kind of left it to my parents the doctor when you're at a kid's hospital a children's hospital the doctors kind of direct their speech to the parents anyway they'll see sit down with you and like say oh how are you feeling like trying to get your like symptoms and like your recent kind of updates on like how you're feeling like overall but when they come to the bigger topics they address the parents of being like oh yeah your daughter will need to have blood tests like maybe we'll book in for an ultrasound like they don't talk to you
0: yeah I suppose that would be quite scary for a child to hear that yeah no
1: definitely so obviously it's more like a parent-to-doctor relationship until you then move obviously up into um adult hospital or even when you just get a bit older and can start understanding a bit more then they start addressing you but I think because from such a young age it was more like my parents deal with that I'm just going to go live my own life um as much as I can and to what I kind of always have known like I haven't ever known anything different yeah like yeah. it's just been part of my life it's part of how I've grown up like I don't so I just went out of my friends and just enjoyed my life and just made sure I had drunk rampre juice every day and I just <laughs> kind of like all my friends were like why do you drink cranberry juice and I was like oh I have something wrong with my kidneys but that's kind of I would never be like oh yeah I've got chronic kidney disease I'll need a transplant when I'm this age and I my creatin's this and all this sort of stuff yeah I only <laughs> just started understanding all like the proper terminology when I got a lot older so for me finding all this out when I was quite younger either like kind of sheltered me in a way um yeah but yeah so I just kind of lived my I don't think it mentally affected me until I was a bit older
0: yeah I mean that makes sense yeah and I think as well when when you're young you don't even you don't even realize that there's much you just get on because you think what you have is normal and you don't realize that other people don't have that as well sort of thing yeah no definitely like the only
1: differences that I kind of could think back and spotted differently were I was tired more often I couldn't do everything that my friends were doing yeah. Um, and I had to drink cranberry juice every day.
0: Yeah, good old cranberry juice. To the oh, I know. <laughs> My mum is
1: like, she's so adamant that cranberry juice is like the be all and end all. Um, yeah. I absolutely hate it. And I think because <laughs> I've always grown up thinking it's medicine, it makes me better. Oh, I've had yeah. this really negative effect on it. So I have about, I want to say like three. 300 mils a day I down it like a vodka shot oh really yeah I like it's literally part of my like medicine routine I literally down it and then I go I can't like everyone's like oh cranberry juice is so nice I'm just like no No. absolutely (laughs) nasty I can't deal with it it's down in one and I yeah that's it but it does for me anyway because obviously it's never like scientifically proven but for me cranberry juice actually helps because one week my parents went to like India and kind of left him with the grandparents um and I didn't have, like, my cranberry juice poured for me. This was when I was quite young. So yeah. I didn't just – I didn't have cranberry juice for a week. And they came back, and I had a urine infection. And ever since, my mum's so adamant that cranberry juice is the reason I don't get urine infections anymore. So yeah. she's like, have you had your cranberry juice today? Have you had it? Have you, like, <laughs> have you had enough sort of thing? So it's definitely yeah. a medicine for me. But, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. I – I'm definitely going to try drinking more of it if it's, if it's good for you. I'm with you on on the taste, though. I'm not a fan, I have to say. It's great. Quite... Oh, it's, it's the only way
1: I can drink it as a, like, normal drink is when I used to drink alcohol, woo-woo <laughs> cocktails were really good, which is, like, vodka, lime juice and cranberry juice. Yeah. Um, that was really good. Or just cranberry and orange juice mixed together is really nice, too. Oh,
0: right, okay.
1: But usually I end up just downing it on its own in one
0: yeah. It's better to get out of the way isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to enjoy
1: it. It's it's always related to health for me, so
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Exactly. Um and so from there then, um so you find out what was going on and then you find out that your kidneys had failed. So how did how did that progress then? So how how did the transplant come about? Did you did they say look this is gonna happen or was it kind of like, you know, this could happen in the future or how did that was- come about? It was very
1: much a pre-prepared for this but it won't happen for ages because your kidney function is yes it's deteriorating but it's deteriorating at such a slow pace we're not going to worry about you we're just going to keep an eye on you sort Mm -hmm. of that's how the mentality in my eyes was handled Um, and especially with my parents I feel like they felt the same because when then all of a sudden I feel like we had a doctor's appointment and they're like yeah you need a transplant and then the transplant happened like within a year later um Mm. it was all very sudden because they didn't realize how quickly my kidney function was going to deteriorate near the end because it was going downhill so slowly and so in like even increments every single time I went to the doctors every like three months it was like okay it's gone down another like four percent and it's gone down like it was all so steady yeah at the end when it just went now we're not having it anymore we're just going to give up on you it was all such a massive shock to the doctors and my family and myself yeah that it was such a rush near the end like I was still at Great Ormond Street Hospital when they said yeah you'll need a transplant within like six months or whatever um but you're 17 so that means that when you need a transplant you'll be an adult so we're gonna move you over to an adult hospital and then you're gonna have a transplant
0: and I was just like uh what
1: okay (laughs) cool this is gonna happen (laughs)
0: yeah that's that's so much information in such a short time
1: (laughs) yeah it was a lot to handle and because my we had family that was happy to step up to um donate and all this sort of stuff it then quickened the process to have a transplant anyway rather than like waiting on the transplant list and the deceased donor list so it was all like a quick like okay you're now at guys in an adult hospital but your kidney function is really really low so we need to get you like starting to test for donors and all that sort of stuff pretty immediately after you'd settled into the adult hospital so it's all like a massive like it's kind of like a culture shock as well because children's hospitals are so colorful and like all these I feel like there's so much more friendly and I don't really feel like hospitals whereas you go into an adult hospital and it's like yeah this is like a hospital yeah so
0: that transition must have been pretty hard yeah it was and I remember
1: um Great Ormond Street originally said oh yeah try the Royal Free which is another uh, London hospital um, because it's closer to you on like the map like from where you are like oh if you'd like check on Google Maps it's actually closer to you for travel and obviously because we're traveling from outside of London into London for all these hospital appointments they wanted something that was convenient for us yeah Um, so they firstly transferred me over to Royal Free but the minute I stepped into Royal Free I had a breakdown I saw the doctor and I literally just broke into tears and because the like the reception area was so the ceilings were so low and obviously kidney disease and chronic kidney disease and all like kidney related illnesses tend to be um, gradual as you get older so the waiting room Mm -hmm. was just full of loads of old people on like who needed assistance and who didn't need wheelchairs I just felt so from being in a Great Ormond Street hospital, which is so colourful, so bubbly, to something like a completely different environment, it, like, massively shocked me. And I literally, we went out of that hospital and we went back to Great Ormond Street and my mum was like, my daughter can't transition to this hospital. Like, she can't, it's not possible. So yeah. then we went, Then we found guys and guys, for me personally, is such a better change. And even though the journey is longer, I'd much rather be happy, like, happier in my, like, future hospital until I ever move if I ever move outside of London it's going to be my hospital so I just wanted to find somewhere that I enjoyed enjoyed in air quotes going to (laughs) for checkups and stuff um yeah but yeah the transition was horrible stage because obviously we tried a hospital and absolutely hated it no like fault to any of the nurses or doctors it's just like it's a bit like going to university and finding the one that's for you just by like that feeling yeah it's just the vibes Yeah. yeah
0: Totally. Yeah. I yeah, I totally get that as well. And I think there must have been. I, I mean, I'm assuming. I, I don't actually know. Um, the fact of the transplant, you know, being told you need a transplant and moving to a different hospital. Did it make you, if you feel like those things were connected? Like as soon as you move to this new hospital, that this is happening and this might be happening because you're moving to this new hospital or sort of thing. Yeah, did that literally. Connect- it d- it did connect a lot because obviously
1: up until that point I was just kind of like dawdling through life being like yeah I have something wrong with me kind of pulling the card every now and again being like oh yeah I'm ill I'm not coming (laughs) to school today sort of thing like but never like obviously probably understanding the extremity of my condition and my illness at the time so then having to transition to like a proper hospital in my words is how I kind of describe it because at kids hospital you never really feel um like it's a hospital to like one where you can like it smells different and like it's mm. not as prettily decorated it's just standard white walls and brown staircases and all this, <laughs> all this sort of stuff so yeah it all oh, it I had to feel comfortable because I knew that as soon as I transitioned it was going to be the place where I was going to have my transplant that I was going to recover that I was going to be seen really regularly um so I had to feel comfortable in my new hospital and luckily I did find it at guys but it was a struggle to go from such extremes um, in such a uncertain time as well because mm-hmm. we didn't know how long my kidneys were going to last me they were like on like the on like cliff edge like literally like or like weighing scales like you didn't know mm-hmm. if they're going to be up one day or down the next sort of thing so it was quite like to not enjoy the first hospital and then have to go through a process of getting a transition appointment at a different hospital which can take weeks to get and so it was all kind of a bit stressful uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I think for I, my parents. A, a bit is a maybe a bit of an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, like it just... it's like it was
1: part of my life. I just it's just what I have to do. So I never really like kind of think of it from someone else's point of view. That it yeah. is like a crazy situation to have gone through. Um yeah. because it's just what I, I have to do it to live my life, basically. So it's just
0: yeah, I totally get that. People are always, are, will always say when they look back at, you know, what you've been, oh, you're so brave, you're so strong. And it's like, yeah, but I didn't have, it's not as if I had a choice. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I just it's had not, to carry on. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's not like I chose to do it and I showed bravery because I stepped up to the plate sort of thing. Like some people's bravery is and not saying that their bravery is not, not yes. valid and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> I feel like my bravery isn't, bravery isn't valid because it's just what I had to do like yeah it's just, I, I, it's
0: just I see life it. yeah exactly yeah like at the time you don't think about it you just think like yeah I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and then yeah literally when you think back you're like oh that could have been so easy to like give up on it at the certain yeah. time as well yeah
1: I always think back because I had such low kidney function at the end I'm just like if taken like a week late longer to process or they hadn't spotted it like way back when I was like seven with they hadn't have realized if we hadn't have moved um to different gp like what could have happened like could my life be so drastically different
0: yeah it's just
1: yeah if you think about all like the ifs and buts and if this happened if that happened but what if that happened sort of thing you just kind of start going into like a spiral of negativity and all that sort of stuff you just got to be grateful for the path that your life did take even if it isn't the one you kind of chose or expected
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know, you're so positive. It's so nice to hear
1: <laughs> everyone does nice. that.
0: I'm just like, I just, I just want to kind of spread
1: awareness now of chronic kidney disease, because obviously not all kidney transplants, not all kidney failure is related to only chronic kidney disease. And that's what yeah. I've only recently discovered. Like there's so many different kidney illnesses out there that end in like a bad result of kidney failure but yeah. I was quite like adamant that everyone that has a kidney transplant is through because they've had chronic kidney disease and they're living with a chronic illness but that's like 100% not the case mm-hmm. so I just want to try and spread my story in the most positive way for anyone who's going through my particular journey
0: sort of thing so yeah that's that's all so nice though because I mean even even if uh, you went you were quite young when you went through it. but even if you're not that young and you're still going through it like you were you were turning you had your transplant in your teenage years so that's yeah that's like such a scary time speaking of transplants actually yeah um we better talk about that yeah. <laughs> um, get onto the main main juiciness yeah, of the, yeah, the, the episode exactly <laughs> yeah so um your transplant so the lead up to that did you obviously you were still quite young did, did you ha- have to approach people and ask them or were there people there just ready to step up and say yeah let's do this
1: I think my parents were always in the back of their mind even if they didn't talk to me about it obviously knew what the situation was when I got diagnosed with chronic kidney disease yeah I yeah. didn't realize the extent of it but my parents clearly did and I think from that day onwards they were always going to put their life on the line I think yeah. that's what all kind of parents just want to do for their kids and all sorts so immediately when we started testing for donors my parents both went up my sister also wanted to donate but um they wouldn't let her just because she's a young female she's 26 this year so she would have been what my age now so like 22 23 when I had my transplant maybe even younger and they didn't want her to only have one kidney if she wanted to have kids because the strain on pregnancy and one kidney and stuff is
0: more pressure that see, that's so interesting. I, I I I wouldn't have been told that because I didn't have anyone in that category being tested. Yeah. But I didn't actually know that, that was that was something that they would you know, sort of relate, but it's it's quite interesting. I mean, it does make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely does. And obviously, um because she wasn't sure, they just kind of wrote her off being like, We don't want to put you through more pressure and stuff and have yeah. more of a high risk pregnancy. Um From donating your kidney at such a young age when you weren't sure whether that was the path in life you kind of want to take. So she stepped back, and both my parents then went up to donate. Even though aunties and uncles and every so many people came forward, like people from my dad's work who didn't even know me, like so many people just like stepped forward. And it's crazy to think how many people are willing to put themselves through it because I feel like when you're talking about transplants, you think of the recipient and you think yeah. about what they're going through because they're the one who's lived with kidney kidney failure or living with kidney failure so but they don't think about what the donor has to go through to one donate and then two live with one kidney afterwards and
0: yeah all these
1: sorts of repercussions from being like yeah I'll donate but then I also think at the same time people who do step up and say I'll donate kind of also kind of maybe in the back of their mind maybe not um properly thinking about it but kind of subconsciously being like I kind of wish and kind of happy that they didn't pick me
0: yeah sort of thing definitely yeah
1: I feel like it's more of like I'm happy to do it but kind of pick someone else
0: yeah (laughs) I'm putting my
1: name out there just in case
0: yeah I know what you mean yeah like I think when I um first I they gave me like an information pack to hand out to people yeah um but they did say don't advertise anything on don't put anything on social media because you get a lot of empty offers yeah. and it's not people being mean it's people saying like yeah I want to help and then realizing what they've signed up for yeah literally. Um, and it can be really scary yeah I totally yeah totally get that like it's um, even
1: sorry I was just going off topic but like kind of being like empty office and stuff is like when I got into Disney in the college program like all my friends are like yeah I'll totally come out and visit you
0: (laughs) never to be seen again (laughs) yeah exactly because
1: they then realize what they've said to themselves and how expensive and obviously it's completely different like scenarios but it's the same sort of uh, concept of yeah I'll come or I'll do it and then being like yeah what
0: did I sign up for <laughs> <laughs> where do I have to fly tonight yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah. yeah did you so did you get put on the deceased donor list at the same time then or I, did you not did that not happen I did get put on it but
1: only for like a week or two weeks okay. maybe um just as like a backup, because I kind of knew that we were going to go through the live um transplant uh donor yeah. kind of route anyway but they put it on just in case both my parents kind of weren't a match and they just wanted it as like a backup but I was taken off it pretty quickly and I also was able to skip dialysis no matter how um, clearly how much <laughs> I needed it before yeah. um, my actual transplant but yeah it was actually quite I feel like it was quite a quick process for me in the terms of okay you need now need a transplant we'll get your parents started on Uh, testing I feel like that all kind of happened within like I want to say six months-esque on the on the scheme of things because my original transplant date was in April and then it got pushed back to June and then it was August and then it was September and then it finally happened in October so there was a lot of pushbacks but at the same time I feel like the whole process at the beginning so getting all my parents results back came around pretty quickly it was more the finding a date that suited us and the hospital and the doctors and the surgeons and stuff was the trickier part of which I didn't even think about surely like you need a transplant so they'll get you in as soon as possible not keep pushing back your date yeah it's 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 a peculiar process
0: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um so is that the reason why all the pushbacks happened? then is because of the date or was there any other problems or um so
1: my mum got tested Um, and my dad got tested my mum was all fine like her tissue matched her blood type matched but her kidney function wasn't as good as they wanted it to be to donate a kidney and for then her one kidney to last her lifetime um so then it was down to my dad and my dad luckily had a kidney age of a 25 year old and I have no (laughs) idea how because he was like 52 at the time I swear Um, I don't know how he had a such a young kidney age um and even if I think my mum's kidney function was better I think they still would have gone down the route of my dad because of how healthy and stuff his kidney was and what a match it was for me because we were so much closer in age
0: all right so I wasn't
1: I wasn't having like a 50 year old kidney I was having a kidney that was acting like a 25 year old's kidney yeah so to have for, for me to be 18 and to have like a 25 year old kidney the chances of it lasting longer mm-hmm. in my body would enable me to have a, another transplant way later than if I took a kidney from like a 50 year old and it was a 50 year old kidney yeah if that kind of makes sense yeah
0: So I and think they, they would have gone sorry
1: I said they would have gone down my dad's route anyway I think even if my mum's kidney was better functioning than it actually yeah
0: was. yeah and and did they say like any reason behind why his kidney was so healthy like do, does he exercise a lot does he eat well uh, no <laughs> <laughs> that was I mean, he down as he started to eat healthy
1: and actually lose some weight no oh. he lost he lost weight for the um transplant anyway but um he wasn't he's not he's not unhealthy he's not like super I go for jogs 5k jogs every single day sort of, <laughs> like healthy but he just like a he just lives his life he's a yeah. chef so he eats quite a bit but he's, he's not like larger or anything he's I think he's pretty standard dad bod, to be fair he's <laughs> in the gut and etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: <laughs> but yeah I, they have
1: no idea why his kidney function was so low uh or not his kidney his kidney age was so low his kidney function was so very very good
0: yeah um but yeah
1: it's just one of those things I think
0: That was amazing that's so that's so lucky as well what are the chances of like oh I know you needing one and then him just having this perfect one <laughs> literally the only unperfect bit is that he has like a kidney stone like calcium
1: deposit in the kidney that he donated to me but okay. it hasn't caused me any issues so we are touching wood that it can stays like Dormant, like a volcano, it won't erupt. It won't <laughs> cause me any issues. <laughs> for five just, years... <laughs>
0: that's terrifying. It's fine. It's it's totally fine. It's like a volcano. <laughs> yeah, literally. No, it, they said when
1: they transplanted it, the only reason they transplanted it is because they didn't want to leave my dad with one kidney that yeah. had um a calcium deposit slash kidney stone. They call it calcium deposit because it isn't a fully grown kidney stone it's okay. just it's just lying there chilling out having having a whale of a time <laughs> um, and not doing anything they I have ultrasounds on it every now and again just to check that it hasn't grown in size or it hasn't moved or it isn't blocking any of the tubes or whatever but okay. it stayed in the same position it stayed the same size for almost five years now so and okay. they only ever found out about it in my dad when he started having all the tests so clearly it wasn't causing him any issues when he had it either okay. so it's just one of those things that it's just there we keep an eye on it we check it out but it doesn't seem to be causing any issues
0: and is that the reason then why they don't want to remove it is because it's not actually causing any problems yeah exactly that's exactly it um just because they don't obviously want
1: to put the recipient through more surgery more procedures all this sort of stuff just for the sake of it if it's not causing any issues just like how they keep in your uh, native kidneys because there's no point taking them out if they're not causing any issues
0: yeah that's a good point actually Yeah. yeah I didn't see I didn't even know that they could transplant um, kidneys if they had something like that I thought that would have been like a complete no but that's quite interesting actually yeah I think it might
1: determine obviously I don't know because I'm not a doctor but I think it must determine on like how severe it is if I think if someone did had like a fully grown kidney stone that was causing then issues anyway yeah or they had like a history of kidney stones and stuff they wouldn't then donate but I think because my dad never knew it was there it was clearly mm-hmm. just lying there not doing anything it hadn't affected my dad mm-hmm. they kind of trusted that it would never affect me either yeah um, it's quite a sort of thing and they've been right so far so oh
0: well I mean that's weird that's that's yeah. that way
1: then <laughs> yeah fingers crossed so five years post-transplant now so it doesn't seem to be causing right. any issues so yeah.
0: yeah and and how did you find um like going through the transplant and then the recovery how did you find that the recovery for me was so much i say
1: so much quicker than i was anticipating because i didn't realize that my dad stayed in hospital for three days and then he was home like mm. you have such big surgery and then wait you're home in three days like that yeah doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> add up right in my head and then i was out in six um, Okay, i was home pretty quickly too um it was lucky that my ki- my dad's kidney like worked immediately in me and that my mm. dad recovered really well because he was quite young quite fit etc yeah. Um so we both just left off quite quickly. But like when people like came around to visit me, they're always like, Oh, I thought you would still be like connected to tubes and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I can't believe you had such a big surgery, yet you're up and walking in six days.
0: Yeah, but, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's so strange. But
1: I actually found uh, recovery, it was hard. The actual post-transplant recovery room. So when obviously you wake up from general anaesthetic, you're in a recovery room until you like properly come round. That mm-hmm. for me was the hardest bit because usually you stay in that room for like two hours, maybe just until you come around and then you get wheeled up to the ward where you're going to recover uh, properly and kind of get sent home. and stuff. But I spent all of the, that night in recovery because my blood was too acidic to be moved up to the ward. They had to keep an eye on me. Oh, God. and that was because I really should have had the dialysis session before I had my transplant but apparently <laughs> I was very very adamant of not having dialysis <laughs> which I didn't know about my mum told me before I came on this podcast I like kind of got my parents to like tell me information and stuff that I could could have blanked out or not remembered yeah. and apparently I was very very adamant not to have dialysis even though I was suggested that I should have had a session and that they were kind of telling me you should probably have a session before transplant but I was so adamant to not have one and they kind of Granted, my wish per se, but kind of it might have backfired a bit because yeah. my blood levels and stuff were so bad post transplant
0: because of my failed kidneys that I had to stay in
1: recovery for a very long time.
0: Yeah, and do you remember um how much your function was when you had your transplant?
1: My kidney function on transplant day was at five percent.
0: Wow! So it that's was, what rough. was yours. I I think mine was nine. Yeah, so it was a wee
1: bit better. Yeah. But- I feel Um, like at at one stage you're just like yeah your kidneys have failed like no matter what the number is
0: yeah exactly yeah (laughs) like
1: doesn't really I feel like the four percent doesn't wouldn't made much a difference in like symptoms and feeling and all that sort of stuff anyway
0: yeah exactly yeah you're you're right there actually yeah
1: I feel like we both would have slept for 22 hours (laughs) (laughs) 100%
0: yeah (laughs) both have I had like cramps every
1: single night waking up with massive leg cramps
0: Oh, but I, I was exactly the same. The soles of my feet all the time. It was awful. It was horrendous. And just not being able to
1: taste anything because it all tasted the blood. Like the metallic oh. taste in your mouth because oh, your yeah. body doesn't filter out toxins. So I just associate like metallic taste to yeah, blood. so that sort that. Of, yeah oh all the symptoms are fun I know I
0: had I know I had sickness like every day and I just I just it was awful I never um, dealt with
1: like nausea or sickness when it came to symptoms which I'm very okay. grateful for because I don't think I actually would have survived like <laughs> not like in real life but like I, do, I can't be sick every day I have a phobia of being sick
0: yeah I mean it's not ideal no, it's not, <laughs> good. not good either. <laughs> And um so how's your recovery been since then, since you left the hospital? It's been good. I had a really good
1: first year of transplant. Like we did a massive celebration when I hit a year because I was finally kind of like living an eighteen year old person's life, how they should be. I was going to concerts, I was like, Spending nights out with my friends, I was doing all these things that I should have been doing from a much younger age, I was finally able to do it because I wasn't sleeping 22 hours a day and my legs weren't always cramping up and all this sort of stuff. So I had a really, really good 2016 um, recovery, like the first year of uh, having my new kidney thanks to my dad going to some of my favorite concerts I went to Disney because my parents were like once you've had your transplant we'll treat you to another trip to Disney so I went to Disney again
0: (laughs) (laughs) can I move in with you please because your parents sound amazing (laughs)
1: um so yeah it was a really good year and then 2017 I just I kind of forgot that I'd had a kidney transplant I was just kind of like back to work I was about I was back at university I wasn't back at university I started university for so 2016 I was able to start university um I had a part-time job I had uni so I was actually just living a normal person's life like balancing work uni friends social life all this sort of stuff yeah and then 2018 hit and so all of a sudden my urine infections came back
0: um mm.
1: And I had my first urine infection in January that I was like, oh, it's the flu. I've got the flu. <laughs> <laughs> we get all Yeah, because I didn't, before my kidney transplant, I had urine infections that was, like, stinging when I pee, that sort of side of the symptoms. I never had, yeah. when I had a urine infection, I never had fever before. I never had leg pain with a urine infection before. Um, I never had, like, fever and stuff Um so when I had my first urine infection post-transplant and I had all these new symptoms that are flu-esque symptoms,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was like, oh, it has to be the flu because when I have a urine infection, I have all these different symptoms. Um, so I just laid in bed for a week and recovered and I was absolutely fine. And then a month or two later, I had and I had the same symptoms again and I was like, OK, this isn't the flu. Um, so I got it checked out and it was a urine infection. I got put on antibiotics. Um but then it decided to come back because clearly it had grown bigger from ignoring it to being on antibiotics that it kind of the antibiotics didn't fight it all completely so I got put on antibiotics again and this time because they were like okay you're only just post-transplant in the scheme of things I was like three years post-transplant at this point um we're gonna put you on long-term antibiotics and I was just like my me and my family were like uh, isn't long-term antibiotics meant to be a really bad thing for your body? Like, yeah. why are they putting you on long-term antibiotics? This doesn't make sense. But obviously, we trusted them; they were doctors. Um, so I started taking a, a, a beginner course of long-term antibiotics, which was three months, um, and I was absolutely fine. My body took to them so well at the beginning. Obviously, no infections; like they seemed to have disappeared. And then all of a sudden, in at the very end of October, so I was on these tablets now for about two months, just over two months. I started getting really, really ill, like throwing up every day, fever, constant, like bed bound, pretty much. Oh um, and we looked at the symptoms of these antibiotics and my mum called the uh, nurses to, like hotline sort of like emergency call thing. And she's like, My daughter's really ill. I think it's these antibiotics. And they were like, No, if she had a reaction to antibiotics, it would have happened in the first couple of weeks of taking them. It must be like a different sort of virus. Like, there's a lot of viruses going around this time of year because we're going into winter, sort yeah. of thing. Just keep an eye on her, make sure she doesn't get dehydrated. Um, get like a urine sample done by your like local GP so my local GP came and like gave me a home visit and stuff and they're like you're hydrated you're fine just rest up you'll be all good this was also the week of my final Disney interview to possibly have my dreams shattered or my dreams come true um, for the following summer so I managed to like dose up on Imodium and (laughs) (laughs) anti-sickness tablets and I managed to get through the interview but when I got back from that interview, I demolished an entire Domino's pizza, and my family were like, "Why are you eating bread? <laughs> Why are you eating cheese? You're really ill." And I was like, "I demolished because I was so hungry. Like I hadn't eaten anything because I was so sick, but I was finally on these like anti sickness look, like, were like not making me feel so terrible. So I just wanted to eat everything. Yeah. But that yeah. pizza didn't do anything for me. Like it wasn't making me ill and all these sorts of stuff. Obviously, when you're like ill, you shouldn't really eat dairy and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um." But it was absolutely fine. And then the day after my Disney interview, I went into my guy's hospital for a checkup because had, I had been ill for so long, and they like isolated me because they didn't want it to like affect the rest of the um, patients that are in so uh, in the appointment room. So I had my own little room. I was waiting there for hours. They did all sorts of tests on me. And they were like, Okay, you're obviously really ill. And I was like, No shit, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So they actually admitted me for a week. Um, and on like the second to last day of being admitted, they were like, Yeah, it's the antibiotics you're on. And I was just like, <laughs> You serious, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god. So I was taking off those immediately and I have never been back on them. Because I would never ever want to go back on those. They made me so I was ill for about 18 days straight. I lost four kilograms in weight. Oh my
0: god. Yeah, it was that's
1: awful. Yeah, it was not a good time. And I was it's just so frustrating because you always want to trust the doctors and the nurses because they're like they're the pros in this sort of area. So when your mum when they turn down what your mum thinks is what's wrong with you you kind of just trust them you go with it like okay it's not the antibiotics yeah but then for them to finally what three weeks later be like oh yeah it's antibiotics and you're just like well we said that at the beginning
0: yeah exactly so <laughs> it's, it can a... be a bit
1: frustrating <laughs>
0: Yeah, like this is the exact instant where you realise that, you know, mums do know best sometimes. <laughs> yeah, literally. They just have some sort of maternal instinct and they just know what's wrong. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like it's like psychic or something. Like my mum's yeah. the same. Anytime like I see her and she, she gives me hugs sometimes, she's like, Oh, you, you smell sick. You're going to be sick soon, and I'm like, yeah. wow, thanks. thanks. That might just that. be that might just be my my smell. I might always <laughs> just smell like sick. Oh God, it's a bit worrying.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And then a few days later, you're ill, and you're just like,
0: are you like something fortune did she teller? <laughs> I know exactly. Like, someone needs to get her on prime time. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: My mum's just now like, I'm a doctor. I'm Doctor Dawn. Like, just come to me for all your problems. I'll be able to sort them out. And I'm just like.
0: Just because you were right about
1: one thing doesn't make you a doctor.
0: <laughs> yeah, like get her sat at the reception desk in the hospital, and you have yeah. to go through her before you get an appointment. <laughs> yeah, literally, she'll
1: be able to tell you exactly what's wrong if it's the antibiotics yeah. or not. No, it's fu- <laughs> it is funny how sometimes doctors don't always know
0: exactly. Yeah, um, I'm d- I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, and how are you feeling now? Then are you are you a bit better now? Yeah, I'm
1: since coming off those antibiotics i actually had a procedure called deflux um okay. which is basically putting lip filler in the tube connecting your Ooh. kidney to your bladder basically that's, that's random ra- i know uh, it's basically like that the silicone sort of um, sort of particles that kind of form into like a a i don't know a solid substance-esque thing i don't know okay they describe it as lip filler um, right. just for ease of uh, understanding I think yeah but basically I went under general anaesthetic for a really quick procedure I had a cystoscopy at the same time which is like a camera up the bladder just to check everything um okay. but at the same time they also just injected me with some of this deflux is what they like to call it because it's the counteractive reflux procedure
0: all uh, right
1: and when my mum found out that this thing existed she was like why don't Rachel have this when she was like four years old this could have made her kidneys last like 10 years longer um, yeah but- <laughs> it does make you wonder actually <laughs> yeah I know um so I had this deflux procedure and I have well, like I said, I haven't had a urine infection since but I actually had one last month but ever since then I have I didn't have a uh, urine infection and deflux isn't permanent like just like lip fillers the right solution will disappear eventually Um, and I just think it's kind of the solution that's currently in my tubes preventing the urine going up and causing reflux so that the substance basically fills up most of the tube apart from a little bit just to prevent the majority of urine that would go up the the kidney tubes to not basically and I think mine's just kind of finally dissolving Um, okay so there's just a wider gap for the urine and I think that's why I had a, a urine infection just not too long ago
0: Okay, but, and uh, so can you get that redone then?
1: Yeah, I can have it redone um whenever sort of thing, but with COVID and stuff, it's not, it's not crucial yeah. at the minute. Um,
0: yeah,
1: I was on antibiotics, and it seemed to have disappeared. It hasn't come back, so.
0: Okay, well yeah. that's good, and hopefully, hopefully, what hopefully that was a
1: one-off. Yeah, literally, that's what I'm kind of hoping because obviously you can't with lip fillers. You'll be able to tell when <laughs> there's no more solution in your lips, <laughs> but you can't. Yeah. Really, really tell and I don't really want to go under general anaesthetic again especially not in this sort of presented times as they like to describe it yeah
0: well, exactly <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty scary how are you how are you coping with the whole covid situation yeah not too bad actually I
1: because I'm not like I'm quite introverted anyway and I think uh my situation in life has kind of made me more introverted yeah. as a person as I've grown up anyway That most like pre-covid all I kind of did was See my boyfriend see my family read and go to work and the only mm-hmm. difference now obviously apart from the before we could see anyone apart from our household it was read work from home because i was able to work from home mm-hmm. and like not see my boyfriend but now i can see my boyfriend again because we've like bubbled up as two households oh yeah um i'm pretty much living my normal life and i'm very very grateful that COVID hasn't disrupted disrupted me too badly um yeah I'm very I think I'm one of the fortunate ones in that sort of case that I can work from home um that I I live with my parents still so I never I haven't had to like worry about food shopping and all that sort of stuff so I'm very grateful oh, okay. for the yeah the situation that I've yeah. been presented during this time yeah for sure
0: yeah that's really lucky I know I got the shielding letter the other day and um we c- we we normally have uh, we normally me and my friends we normally go to a festival th- yeah. the weekend this weekend and um, obviously it was cancelled so my husband was like oh you know we'll have people around and in- we've got a b- really big garden we'll have people around in the garden and their tents and it'll be socially distanced and it'll be great
1: yeah
0: and it was it was great but then we think back in it and I have spent four months in my garden and now yeah. I can go outside I've decided to spend my time with my friends in my garden yeah
1: literally <laughs> it's like
0: <laughs> what was the point in that <laughs>
1: yeah no that is it is difficult and I feel really sorry for people who like live alone in a high risk I in know. this sort of situation I'm just very very grateful for the support system I have during this I'm during all of it to be fair like the support yeah. system I've had from a very early age has been incredible my parents have been amazing and the boyfriends over the years have been as supportive as I think they should be. No, my yeah. my current boyfriend <laughs> is the most supportive um, I've had. But obviously, because this has been my life, I've had a few boyfriends go through the yeah. kind of different stages with me. Um, yeah. My current boyfriend, shout out! And I will be listening when it goes live. Is is oh. the best boyfriend uh, in yeah. supportiveness that I've had for sure. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah yeah shout out to you yeah
0: virtual <laughs> I, high five over yeah. there where we are <laughs> I'm
1: sure your husband and stuff is exactly the same it's just it's like some like some sort of unconditional support that they just give you because out of love I just guess I just
0: yeah totally like on the on the hard days they make it seem not so hard for sure oh yeah no definitely but yeah yeah and um so I know that there was something else that we've been talking about recently um just between the two of us is um I put a post on Instagram recently about um the the bumps that we have after transplant because not a lot of people talk about that they don't no and I actually wasn't aware of it until I had it Um, no and you were the same weren't you yeah definitely I uh like
1: I mentioned I had not a friend but this little girl who I went to this uh charity concert with and she also it's same same situation chronic kidney disease had a kidney transplant but she was obviously very much younger she was only nine years old when she had a transplant and she said to me oh you'll have a pot belly when once you've had the transplant and I was like now won't I'll be able to get my like pre-transplant figure back that's not going to be an issue why would a kidney um transplant cause you to have like a pot belly and at this at that time obviously I was about 12 years old um obviously I didn't realize that in a kidney transplant the kidney is then related uh is is transplanted into your hip um causing it to be in front of all the rest of your organs is obviously going to protrude more than anything else anyway causing Mm. like I like to call it the kidney bump (laughs) Mm. (laughs) and so yeah I didn't realize and I definitely after transplant because you don't really you're not thinking about your figure you're not thinking about like your body confidence you're just grateful to have this ki- working kidney you're just grateful to be where you are you're grateful to your like family and stuff of like giving you a kidney or whatever your situation is you're just very grateful you're not worrying about your body confidence confidence or like what your body looks like yeah I was eating crispy creams like four times a day because oh. <laughs> there was a crispy cream stand <laughs> outside the hospital and that's all that people brought me so I was just enjoying <laughs> eating the crispy creams and recovering not kind of thinking about it Um, And then when I went to hostel one day and I was like, oh, is the swelling gone down yet? And they're like, oh, the swelling should have gone down already. And I was like, "Okay, that's (laughs) no nut weight. Um, And then when I started actually being like, starting to be a bit more active again, and this kind of everything else was kind of looking to how in my body, looking to how I want it, I wanted it to look. And then I just had this stomach that was never not changing. And I was just like, why isn't it changing? And it's obviously because there's a kidney in like the pelvis, hip area. And
0: yeah,
1: it's not going anywhere sort yeah of thing. like that I, can't get
0: smaller yeah and I think as well it's like you I mean you, you look at yourself and you're like oh god like it's I, I kind of wish it wasn't there but then you feel guilty for thinking that because if someone heard you say that then it sounds like you're ungrateful but you're not yeah it's just it's just hard to deal with having something about your body that you can't change no so definitely you yeah you can't change it like you said and
1: when people like go on start their fitness journeys and stuff, mm-hmm. they're able to change their body exactly how they want most yeah. of the time. Obviously, um different situations and stuff around. Yeah. There. Um. But for us, it's you want to go on this fitness journey and you want to get the body that you desire, whether that's six packs or whatever you want it to be. Personally, I would quite like to have a little bit of an ab line going on, but <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> um, a dream, really, isn't it? <laughs> but obviously one thing I can't change about my body is this little bump that's um, at the lower half of my stomach. And obviously a lot of women have it anyway because it's the pouch is where the womb is, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But there's a lot of women out there that don't have it. And you always look to them on social media and stuff being like, why can't I have a body like that? And you do sometimes sa- you sound ungrateful to other people because you don't want it there, but it was never your choice to have it there. It's just something that you have to learn to live with. And I still haven't come to terms with that completely.
0: Yeah, I still have
1: uh, my days where I'm just like, nah, no, thank you, don't yeah. look at me. <laughs>
0: not not today, thanks. <laughs> no, exactly. And do you think social media plays a particularly negative part o- on that? Then oh, massively
1: because I don't follow um fitness gurus or ever on Instagram that have had kidney transplants and are showing what their body can look like and uh, like body confidence body confidence about their like bump. I'm following fitness people who like I love and I aspire to but know that I'll never get their body because they're not in the same situation as I am
0: yeah um
1: but I forget about that some days I'm like oh yeah I could rock that six pack if I do 30 minutes (laughs) of abs every single day sort of thing but knowing that I never will and when I started my fitness journey the more weight I lost and the more toned up I became the more prominent my kidney bump became yeah because it was no longer hiding under battle, or whatever you want to call it um, yeah so it was just, so the more I was working out the more body like issues I was having towards my confidence because it was get the kidney bumps seemed to be getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. if that kind of makes sense so it's a, been a hard balance to work out um to kind of get the body I desire but also at the same time know that this thing This kidney bump I can't change and I kind of have to become and learn to love it which I'm still struggling with five years post transplant.
0: Yeah and I think as well I think a lot of the reason why it doesn't really get talked about is because um, people who have had a transplant you'll know yourself that you get put on quite a lot of steroids which obviously make you really hungry and you gain weight and I think it's normally people with smaller frames or flatter stomachs who have more prominent bumps because they don't have that sort of like I'm not calling people fat that's not the right word but you know you don't have that sort of carry weight in that area as yeah. much yeah no I, definitely yeah and i think that that's definitely why um it isn't talked about as much but for for you especially with like being being young and stuff like that like not really knowing how to deal with that it must have been yeah Yeah, it have been quite hard
1: and to not like I obviously knew post-transplant that the bump that was there that I can't get rid of it was my kidney and obviously is Mm. my kidney but it still doesn't help the fact that on some days I look at myself in the mirror and I suck in and I'm like Mm. this is what it'd be like without the kidney bump (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but other days I'm like yeah I love that kidney bump and on some days I'm just like it can go away please like yeah (laughs) yeah I totally feel that and at the beginning I don't think it it gave me as much issue as it does now which sounds strange because you would think that it was like a beginning of your journey sort of uh body confidence issue yeah yeah but me post transplant I was absolutely fine with my body um and it's only in the last I want to say year and a half um that I've really struggled with it because I've found my love of working out and obviously mm-hmm. that then causes issues with it being more um, prominent and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I started my fitness journey to get rid of this bump, which I couldn't get rid of, to loving working out and trying to be- learn to love my body how it is, no matter if I miss a working out day and all that sort of stuff. So it's a hard balance to get right. And I'm sure one day post-transplant I will get it right. Yeah. Um, I kind of, some days I absolutely dread having to have another transplant and having it, having to have a new kidney in my other side of my body. I yep. can only just deal with one kidney bump. I can't deal with two. I know.
0: <laughs> I, I'm the same. I'm so glad someone else has mentioned it because I it has crossed my mind and I'm I'm like, am I just thinking too much into this? <laughs> yeah, literally. No, I'm with you.
1: Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that with kidney failure, your kidneys kind of shrink
0: as oh, they don't yeah,
1: yeah. need to be active anymore. So I'm just... Not, I'm not hoping like at all that my dad's kidney fails. I'm not. Well, that's what I'm saying. But no. if that time came and it, my dad's kidney did unfortunately fail, it would shrink in size.
0: Yeah, I mean because it is a I huge guess, kidney. That's, yeah, I guess that's something to to look at in that way. Silver lining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trying to be positive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're we're almost out of time um I can't believe that it's been it's like 57 minutes almost that's oh, insane I that's really <laughs> it just feels I, like I, a normal chat I know I, was like, I could literally chat to you all day it's been great know, It's been really fun. <laughs> um is there anything any advice that you would give to someone who's going through something just like similar to what you've been through
1: I would take it day by day and try and educate yourself as much obviously I was young so I feel like educating myself wasn't a thing on my mind after going through like gtse's and all this sort of stuff it wasn't like the forefront of my mind but i feel like i kind of wish i educated myself at a younger age just so i knew what my body was going through and i was kind of more prepared for the sudden change and everything Mm -hmm. um so day by day for sure try and keep as positive as you can think of silver linings practice gratitude is a massive thing that I've started this year as well that's really helped me look for the really small things in life that I'm grateful for like a sunrise and being able to like have easy access to water I know it sounds stupid but when you practice gratitude I feel like every day then when it like gets ingrained to you you just think of the really small things you're grateful for and yeah some days you might hate your kidney bump and some days like it's not the best of days because you feel ill. Like I have a chronic illness. Yeah, I've had a transplant, but I'm still technically classed Ew. as someone with a chronic illness. Yeah, yeah, chronic illness doesn't go away. Um, just because you've had, as they say, a treatment is a kidney transplant. A treatment, not a cure. Yeah. Um, but I'm okay. I'm. I I'm, I'm allowed to have bad days, and I'm allowed like take each day with grace. You can. You can feel unwell. Like you don't have to be go 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 every single day. Like take like listen to your body is a nothing massive thing yeah
0: um, exactly.
1: and do what the doctor say don't skip your meds
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a main one that's a big one don't yeah <laughs> don't,
1: if you're post-transplant do not skip your meds no matter how much you hate steroids because they're making you put on weight like they're making you live um, yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah i'm with you on that one yeah don't don't skip your steroids guys <laughs> no
1: definitely not and don't think just because you've had a transplant now that you're like 100 percent healthy because i hear so many horror stories of people being like um like taxi drivers and stuff from hospital being like oh yeah i knew someone who had a kidney transplant and then they just started drinking loads of alcohol and smoking again and they made their kidney fail yeah it's like you're so grateful to either have someone offer a kidney or um get one off the the deceased list yeah don't take it for granted yeah look after it like treat it with care and love drink your cranberry juice
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the cranberry juice is the main one (laughs) yeah exactly
1: But yeah
0: well yeah it was it's lovely to speak to you and i'm pretty sure we will probably have you again on at some point because you're just so positive (laughs) yeah i I honestly love your vibe you're so positive (laughs) um but yeah that's as for for now guys and we will catch you probably next week uh can yeah we can't live without it, and we can't live without you. Live without you. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye.